Welcome to Testify, where we are sharing the love of Christ and building people up through testimonies and teaching. Our passion is to share how God is working in people's lives today. My name is Rhonda Wagner, and I'm a founder and board member at Testify. We have a wonderful testimony today from Ruth Panuccio. Ruth went through many trials at different times in her life, and each time she grew in her walk of faith and trust in God. Even through tremendous loss, she learned that God's plans are always good. Hi, my name is Stephanie Briggs. I'm a board member with Testify It, and I am here today with my good friend, Ruth Panuccio, and she is here today to share her testimony with us. Welcome, Ruth. Thank you so much, Stephanie. So can you tell us a little bit um, about your childhood growing up? Sure, I'd love to. Um, So I was born in New York, Rochester, New York, um, and I just, I can't say enough that I just had the most wonderful parents. You know, I, um, my, I grew up in a very godly home where my parents really, they really just exemplified their relationship with Jesus in everything that they did. Like I think of my dad and I think of how he was downstairs in the basement every morning, just on his knees before the Lord and just praying. And he did devotions with us every day and he had us, um, memorize scripture, but, and it wasn't just this thing on Sundays where you go to church and, you know, that's it. It's, it's every moment, you know, you just live it out every moment. And my mom would just be propped up on the love seat and she would just share with me, you know, what she had read in the Bible that day. And, um, and that was just normal for me. And, and I've just, I feel so blessed to be able to say that, you know, that I loved going to church. And, um, when I was about six or seven years old, I prayed with my mom on her bed. I just, I still remember sitting on her bed and I prayed, to uh, receive Christ as my Savior, my Lord and Savior. And and it was very, as much as I could understand as a six or seven-year-old, it was very real to me. And I, I believe that was genuine, um, that I that I knew Jesus personally then at age six or seven, which was just a beautiful thing to, to get to have that experience and to know that, um, that God really loves me from day one. You know, I can't remember a moment where I didn't feel like God loved me or that Jesus loved me. And and um, that really has been my foundation and my stability to know that that Jesus does love me. So around age nine, I was almost nine, we moved to Ohio, and my dad got a new job. Um, at that point, I, I had a tough time with that move. I had to leave my best friend, and I couldn't find a true friend in Ohio. I just, I really wanted one, and... And it was, it was just a harder time. Um, and then at age 11, uh, my mom became very, very ill. And the doctor said at first, oh, I think it's just the flu. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, that's a really bad flu. But the uh, family physician would not give up. And she finally discovered that my mom had cancer in her body and basically every bone of her body. And she, she shouldn't have even been alive at that point. So remember my mom coming in my bedroom sitting down next to me and, and telling me this. And I, I just, I was flabbergasted. I didn't know what to feel about this, what to think about this. What does this mean? I mean, I, and, and I think my faith had been shaken a little bit by the move, but then to have this happen was a much bigger test of faith to see, you know, is God still God? Is God still good in all this? And, um, so we got straight into, um, 
a lot of chemotherapy treatments, very heavy chemotherapy. I would go with her to a lot of them. That's why I still feel very comfortable in cancer wards. I, I feel very at home in those places. The people are just amazing. Um, just amazing nurses and doctors, you know, and, and it was, it was a very trying time, but we still had, we just had some hope that, that God was going to heal her. And, uh, around age 12, so I think it was end of seventh grade, she had a bone marrow transplant. She had been going to Cleveland Clinic up there. They have a very good um, cancer center. And she had to stay there for three st- weeks straight. And you have to kind of get back into the mindset of a 12-year-old girl whose mother is her best friend. You know, I thought that if she would leave me for three weeks and be in the hospital for three weeks, that I could not make it. Like, I would not be able to live with her being there. And um, she had to go through, it was actually a peripheral stem cell transplant. So basically, in, in short, medically, they get rid of everything in your body. For those of you who don't know, you get rid of everything in there and then you build it back up, hopefully without the cancer this time. You know, so you can't be around anybody with any sort of um, germs at all, you know. And um, I remember leaving her, I had to walk out of her room in the hospital and and I said, God, I just can't do this. You know, I can't, I can't leave her. And then I just felt the comfort of the Holy Spirit, you know, saying, it's going to be okay. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of your mom and you're going to be okay. And, uh, I racked up quite a phone bill, but we made it through those three weeks. It was literally hundreds of dollars, no cell phones back then. So made quite a, quite a phone bill. And she made it through that. She persevered through all this because she wanted to be there for her girls, for her two daughters, um, me and my sister. And, um, so she even had this wonderful lady. I do want to mention her. Her name is Deforia Lane. And she came and did music therapy with my mom in the Cleveland clinic. And, and that's one of the reasons why I feel like music is just so important. I mean, I come from two music teachers as parents and I'm a music teacher and it was just a beautiful thing to have in the middle of the hospital to have worship and to have, um, someone who really loves the Lord and ministering to my mom was just a wonderful thing. So miraculously God, God brought healing to my mom there. Um, so she recovered slowly from that, that transplant and actually, um, got sort of back to normal, not, not as strong as she used to be, but sort of back to a pretty good place. Um, but I mean, I, I was doing things by that age that people do when they're like 35, you know, it's, I felt like an adult (laughs) because I'm like, I don't know. It was just, it was, uh, it was, it was strange how many, how many adult things I had to do and how old I felt on the inside having been through this. But God, you know, I, I felt like I was closer to God through it all, mostly. Um, I still had a, you know, I was a teenager, so I had, I had some immaturity there, I'm sure. But, but I did feel that, um, you know, I really appreciated that God had gotten us through all this. So ages, like, in my middle teen years, like between 14 and 16, my mom had a lot of pain. You know, she had sciatica. It was just, that was really painful. Um, she ended up when I was, I think, I think I was 15. She got cancer back in her neck and she had radiation. Um, one of the worst things was just the bone marrow tests. Um, and we would, and, and we'd pray and pray and say, you know, God, make this not hurt, but it, you know, it, it just, it hurt, you know, life, life is not you know, suffer free. It's not this 
pie in the sky, you know, oh, everything's going to be fine. And God says, you know, in this world, you will have trouble. And, and, and we had, she went through a lot. Um, the bone row tests were excruciating and it's just so hard to watch somebody you love so much suffer so much mm-hmm. because you just want to be able to ease that somehow and you can't. And, uh, um, I knew that she was just doing it because she, she wouldn't have bothered to do that if not for me and my sister. She wouldn't have bothered to go through it. Um, she would have just given up, but she wouldn't give up because she wanted to be there for us. Um, so at age 16, I got baptized. I got, I stopped flirting with the world. You could say I didn't, I didn't, um, care about the things of the world so much anymore. I just wanted to follow Jesus. And, and I gave, I think it was just a new level of, of dependence on God. And, um, I just had a wonderful youth group in Ohio. I, uh, was very blessed with, um, my, all the friends that I got to make and the, the staff, the pastor, um, all the pastors there were just wonderful. And God knew that I needed that. And he prepared the way he gave me the people that I needed to help me. And because he knew what was, what would happen. Um, so, before I go on, I wanted to talk a little bit, a little bit more about my mom. Um, so my mom, she, she wasn't perfect. Nobody's perfect. But I really feel that my mom was excellent at demonstrating the love of Jesus. She would just listen so well to me and Kathy and everyone. And everywhere she would go, she would just um really care about deeply about people and minister to them or listen, just listening to them and, and wanting to be uh, involved in their lives. And even though she was weak, you know, physically because of of her condition, she still just would care people at the cancer center or who she was a teacher. So she would teach these students and she would just love on them or neighbors or people at church. Just, she would just love on them. And I saw how deeply she cared about them. And I could definitely see how much she cared about me. Um, she made it perfectly clear that I was loved, not because I did anything, but just because I was just because I am a person that God made and she just loved me. And she told me, you know, Ruth, whatever you do, if you do something terrible, you just come home and you tell me, cause I'm going to love you. <laughs> and it, it's so freeing to be loved like that because that's, that's the love of Jesus saying, it's not a, you do this and that, and then you're good enough. It's, you know, I just, I just love you because you're you. And, uh, one of the cool things that my mom did when she, when I was 15 was she, she didn't know if she was going to make it or not. So she wrote letters to my sister and I, and she, you know, closed them and gave them to us and told them, don't open these until such and such a time. So for example, she wrote me a note for my high school graduation. She wrote me a letter for my college graduation. She wrote me a letter for the first Christmas after she died. She wrote me a letter for my first birthday or for when I'd get married or when I'd have my first child because she knew she might miss all of those things. And so she wrote a letter and gave them to each of us for all those particular events in our lives that she might miss. And she also made audio tapes and she made videotapes of herself just doing normal things that she loved to do um, and just just so that we would have records of her which in that time period was a lot harder to do because we didn't have iPhones and stuff like that. Um, so basically by my senior year of high school, she became so, so sick and, and the cancer was coming back in different ways and everything was just so painful that 
um, by that winter, we she decided to give up on fighting it with medically from fighting the cancer anymore. Um, and that was, it's not, it's hard to describe because it's like, you're already dealing with death and it hasn't even happened yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you see this morphine bag and you're like, is this really going to happen? I mean, she's my best friend. Um, sorry. I told her she didn't, um, she didn't have to make it to my high school graduation. Because I didn't want her to suffer anymore. And, uh, I just, I just said, you know what, if you die, I'll be able to tell everybody. I'll be able to tell everybody about Jesus, you know. And I, that's exactly what happened. So. It's okay. It had to be such a difficult thing to go through. I can't even... I can't even imagine at such a young age. And and how old was your sister, Kathy, at this time? She's three years older than me. So okay. She was 20. She was mm-hmm. in college. Um, so uh, basically, it's the hard thing that people maybe not don't know who haven't lost someone to cancer is that, you know, they slowly, if they slowly slip away, it's like you're losing them before they're gone. So like Mother's Day 20, 20, 2001, I gave her a Mother's Day card, and uh, she really didn't get what was going on. And I just couldn't take that. So I actually hid at my youth pastor's house, and they had to go somewhere, and they just let me have their house <laughs> to myself. And I just sit there and cry <laughs> because I just couldn't – I didn't didn't spend much time at home at that point. Um, but every night before bed, I would just put on my headphones <laughs> – and I would listen to praise and worship. And uh, that was the only way I could sleep. It was the only way I could function was just praise and praise and praise. And uh, I would just cry out to the Lord and say, you know, I can't do this, God. You're going to have to, you're going to have to keep me going because I can't do this. And uh, so it was May 16th, I just, I had done that to go to sleep and it was like one o'clock in the morning and my sister woke me up and she said, you know, come quick. Mom's breathing has changed because it was really loud and labored. And so if she was, you know, in our, her bedroom at home in hospice care. So we went in there and we're like, is she breathing? I don't know. Is she breathing? And so I took her wrist in my fingers and I felt it and I realized that it was like rubber. It was, and I knew she was, she was just gone. And uh, it was so weird. And I, I can still almost feel it. And my dad said, you know, let's, let's just stand around her and recite Psalm 103 verses one through three. And we said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thy iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. And and I was sharing earlier with Stephanie that you know, it says he heals all your diseases. But he my mom just died. But we have to remember that God heals people through death. 
God heals people forever. I mean, we're not going to live here. This isn't our ultimate home. We're going to be in heaven. And God did let my mom live, you know, those 17 years of my life from age 11 to 17. He gave her those extra years because he knew I needed her then. But then he he chose to take her home and he doesn't make a mistake. He doesn't. He's, he's God and I'm not. And I, I mean, I actually got down on my knees at about 3am after they had taken her body away, you know, to the funeral home. And I got down on my knees and I thanked God for taking her because I knew she was in a better place. doesn't mean that I was happy about it, but I, but I was gracious, grateful to a gracious God who, who relieved her suffering finally and took her to, I knew she was in heaven. That's the hope we have as Christians. We know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I will see her again. It's Mm -hmm. the silver lining. It's the thing that makes everything better because it's not the end. That's, that's what the cross of Jesus um, shows us. You know, it gives us that amazing hope that this is, this is just a very short period. Really life is just extremely short. And then we're all going to be in heaven anyways. For those who believe in Jesus and and make him their Lord and Savior. So, um, I'd like to say that's the end of the story, but obviously I'm a bit older than 17. So, (laughs) um, um, so on the outside, you know, I kind of looked like I had it together after that. You know, I, I still worship Jesus and praise Jesus and did all the church things you could do. And I went to college and was earning my degree and, um, I was, Busy, really, really busy. And I was so busy that I was just trying to cover up how depressed I really was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very extremely depressed inside. And, um, and, and a lot of, a lot of that came from the change too. All, all my friends from that youth group went off to different colleges. And here I was, I stayed home with my, my dad and I went to the local college, which was great, but I had just, I had not only lost my mother, but I lost all these friends that I had. And, it was just a very lonely time. And I think um, something that had already kind of been in me was this desire for perfection. Um, not that, you know, any, nobody else perfectionistic, right? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just, um, I have perfectionistic tendencies in some areas. And I always felt like if I could just change a little something about myself, maybe I'd feel more in control. Maybe I'd feel... Um, better about my life if I could, you know, control something more. And so I turned to eating in that sense. When my mom died, I could finally hide that because she would have, she would have known if she was alive, but I could hide that from everybody else. And I tried to, to find some type of relief through, um, developing an eating disorder, which, I mean, the brunt of it lasted a good five years, if not longer. Um, but, you know, through that, God was already preparing, you know, a solution to that, too, because he introduced me to what are now is my closest friends, first my best friend in college, and then my husband, who I met when I was 19, and uh, I could go into those stories, but that would probably be a whole nother day, <laughs> but, but yes, the Lord knew that I needed them, and so he brought them into my life um, and just showed me Again, you know, they showed me that, you know, Jesus is the only way that I can be free from depression, obviously not through anything else. So anyways, after I I ended up getting married to my husband, um, it was only 
four years after my mom died. So I had graduated college, got married, um, still dealt with the eating disorder for a while. And I started working and, and then, so five years after my mom died, I realized that I wanted to be free, but then I, I couldn't actually implement that and do it. Like I wanted to on the inside, but I couldn't make it come onto the outside. And so it, it took a long process of different people helping me. And, and, you know, sometimes you can't just pray about something and that's it. You know, you have to get help. You have to go and, and seek out, um, seek out different forms of, of help that God offers through people and through relationships. Um, and I think that what really critically changed my mind, which changed, you know, from the inside out was seeing my body as a temple of the Holy spirit. Because if I treat my body as something that is mine, you know, then I do whatever I want with it. But if I see my body as God's temple, I treat it as such. I treat mm-hmm. it as I need to do this to take the best care of my body for God, not, not for anybody else, not for even myself, but for God, because I honor him and I respect him. And I see myself as his creation and his handiwork. And that I think really getting that deep down in plus having God just, God just took my anger. You know, some people are afraid to come to God with their anger, come to God with their grief. Um, I can't say I ever was afraid to do that. I really gave it to God. I really like, I really, you know, I gave him all my emotions. I like laid it on thick. I said, God, how dare you take my mom? You know, that's not fair. That's, how dare you do this? I mean, my life stinks right now. What are you doing? And I think God's okay with that because he knows me and we're, we have a relationship and, and he gets it and he really gets it. And, and this is the heart of what I, I hope, um, I hope, I hope you can catch, you know, the heart of all this is that. I see Jesus was all alone on that cross. He was all alone. I mean, God, the father had to turn his face away. And because Jesus went through that, I never have to be alone because Jesus was totally alone. I never have to be. And I, I hold to that. You know, I hold on to that. My mom always said, God is in control. God is in control. It, 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 you, even when things look terrible, you can trust him and he's in control. And she said it would take me about 10 years to get, to get over her death, you know, to get to a decent place. She'll never, she's like, you'll never totally get over my death. But after 10 years, it'll get a lot better. <laughs> it's conversations we had before she died. It was, it was interesting. But, and, and she's, she's absolutely right. 10 years later, it, it's not that I like it, you know, I, but, but I'm okay. I'm, I'm really okay deep down inside. It's, it's just, it, I can accept that I have to wait till heaven. I just have to wait to see her till heaven. And, um, yeah, things, oh, the things that she'd say, I just, I just can't even, I mean, I'd have to take hours. It was just, she's, she's one of a kind, but, um, the next, the only other big thing that happened after that was when I had my children and my children are, I mean, as any mother knows, I mean, the biggest gift from God you could ever imagine. I mean, they're just utterly precious beyond words and, beautiful beyond description. I, uh, just, and I wanted to be a mom. I did. I wanted to be a mom and I wanted children and I wanted to be a good mom. And I thought, well, my, I had such a good mom, so this should just happen. And I'm just going to be this great mom. Oh yes. Poof. You know, and, and, and then I became a mom and then I was utterly depressed again (laughs) because 
Not only did I not really know what I was doing, which is hard any first time mom, you know, you have a baby, you think you know what you're doing and you don't. And, but then it, it hit me like a ton of bricks all over again that I'm a mom and I don't have my mom and nobody can replace her because there is no replacement for my mom. And so that, that was, if not as hard as when my mom died, it was pretty, pretty difficult for me. And again, God just provided people, provided help, provided resources, provided just, I mean, sometimes I just cry out to him and, and it's things like that that make me realize, you know, the gift of having my mom only there for 17 years is that from age 17 on, I had to depend on God. I didn't have her there. If I she had been there, I would have used her first. But because I have Jesus first, then I, I just have, and he's, he's everything to me. He's everything. Um, I have to go to him because I don't, I don't have, um, he's, he can fill in that gap. You know, like, even though I don't have my actual mom, he'll either give me a person or he'll give me himself. And himself is enough because he's, he is enough. And he has proved himself over and over again that he is enough for me. No matter what happens, he is enough. And I told my mom before she died, I, w- I would rather have you for 17 years than to have any other mom for my entire life. Because she gave me the one thing I really needed. She showed me Jesus. And what else do you need? I mean, if you equip your children with Jesus, then they have literally everything they could ever need forever. And um, that that beautiful love, you know, is still with me. It's like, she may not be in here in the flesh, but her faith lives on. And I get to show that to my children. And I get to see the growth in them and the beauty of, you know, just how God has blessed me through them. You know, I just, uh, I mean, they, they're kids. They drive me nuts. But, but you see, like, I just cherish every day I get to have with them. I don't know how many years I get to have with them. But I want to take every year, every day, every month, and make the most out of it and show them Jesus and just love them like crazy because they're, um, they just, they, they do fill up my heart with such joy that I never thought I could have again. Because so I thought, you know, after my mom died that I'd never have joy again. I'd never really be happy again because part of me was missing. Mm-hmm. But now it's, it's really not. Like, and people have just lost somebody that they love so much. They might think, I'll never really be happy again, you know. I'll never. And and it will feel like that for a while. But I would like to encourage anybody who's going through grief that you just you just have to keep pressing into God. You have to keep at it. You have to run toward him and not away from him. Because if you run toward him, eventually your story will become what he wants it to be and it'll be more beautiful than you could have ever written. And you have to and another thing that is kind of a rumor in the Christian community is that Christians should, you know, you should be able to pray it away and not suffer. You know, like suffering is this thing to be avoided, but I'm not quite sure if I have the right scripture that I was thinking of. Um, Do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And also you think of John 16, 33 in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart mm-hmm. for I have overcome the world. Um, those, those scriptures. And also my favorite one when I was a teenager was second Corinthians four verses seven through 18, which is about being, you know, hard pressed on every side, but not, I'd have to read it. <laughs> you know, second okay. Corinthians four. Yes. 
So it says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. And I'm going to skip some, and then therefore, on verse 16, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I think I loved that so much when I was a teenager because, um, well, I mean, it's kind of (laughs) self-explanatory. I think it's just that I was going through things so much, but I, I, it helped me focus on the unseen, the things that are eternal and not on the temporary problems that are occurring right now. Um, I, so I, I can't give you a reason why he took my mother then. I can't say, oh, this is why exactly. But I know that he's sovereign and that he's God and I'm not. <laughs> and it, uh, when you realize how huge God is, you kind of have to respect his you know, authority because his plans and purposes are just far above our own. Um, and as I said, we're all going to end up there one day anyways, you know, it's, his timing is is perfect, even though I don't like it sometimes. It's it's still perfect, right? Thank you so much for sharing that, Ruth. Um, I just think it's so incredible um, that you had those seventeen years and the foundation um, that you, with your parents, built. Mm-hmm. I mean, in in your faith is just absolutely incredible, and I I think it's such good advice what you had said to turn towards God mm. and not away from him. Because I feel like in the world that we live in, it, there's so many trials and tribulations that people mm. turn away from God and for you to have uh, the faith that you have. And I mean, it's incredible for everything you've gone through. And, and I think it's, it's such great advice too, to take, you know, what your mom taught you in the 17 years now as you're raising your children. And, um, it's just, she instilled that in you and they, even though they never met her, they can feel that, you know, they know that you're, they're so loved and I think it's incredible. Thank you for listening today. I hope you were truly blessed. If you want more information about testify it, please visit us at testifyit.com. That is T-E-S-T-I-F-Y-I-T dot com. Do you have a testimony to share? We would love to hear from you. Just go to testify.com and fill out the testimony form. You can find it at the bottom of any page on the site. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and truly want one, call out to Him today. Decide to give over your life, surrendering it to Him, and choose to follow Him. He has already paid the price for your sins with his death on the cross. He was raised on the third day and will give you everlasting life with him. You will be born again, and he will place his Holy Spirit within you. Until next time, remember you are loved by God and he deeply desires a relationship with you.